0: The first day of pads is in the books for the Baltimore Ravens at 2023 training camp. We talk about takeaways from the day on Monday. Also talk about some early takeaways from Lamar Jackson Odell Beckham and more again, to the latest on JK Dobbins and his situation all coming up next year on locked on Ravens. You are locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked on Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast and I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day as always. Thank you so much for being here today on this first day of August, making us your first listen each and every day. Free and available as always, no money involved, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on youtube and here with me today for this taco tuesday is our taco tuesday guest it is spencer schultz of the jumbo set exit 52 spencer's got a nice new project now of course with jake luke the uh, what do you want to call it spencer the resurrection of the baltimore retown podcast just under a different name i mean the the boys are back talking football i'm excited for you both to be able to do it again
1: definitely it's uh quite similar but we're we're looking to be a little bit more segment oriented and and have a couple things in the work so you can check out the jumbo set on the Exit 52 podcast channel, also just the Exit 52 podcast as well. Anywhere you get your podcast, we're breaking it down, splitting into some Orioles-specific content, some Raven-specific content. So that's the the intention of the Jumbo set there, that we can really have our Raven-centric episodes for a lot of uh, former listeners that, that were like, we like what you guys are doing, but can we get some, some of a uh, return to normalcy? And we're getting right back into it ahead of the NFL season kicking off.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so nice that the Orioles are having the year they're having, so we're not kind of like counting down the days the football season. We're like, oh, hey, the Orioles are really good this year. They're they're making a run, of course, trade deadlines today. So at the, at the time of this recording, Spencer and I don't know what the Orioles have done, if they've done anything, so if you are listening after 4 p.m., you know, so hopefully they've done something to hopefully improve that pitching staff over there. But let's talk Ravens here, Spencer, obviously. And first day of pads was on Monday. Obviously, I think with, with the pads, there's a different element of physicality, intensity. I, I wanted to start by asking you, what, what's the difference? I mean, how much of a difference is there from no pads for the first couple of days? Obviously, the stadium practice didn't have any. What's the difference then putting on the pads? How much can you take away from those early practices without them compared to what you can take away with from those with them?
1: Yeah, it's a different sport when you have full pads on and there's full contact. It completely involves, for the first time really, the offensive and defensive lines, the prowess to tackle, to break tackles, to really see uh, through full contact if guys can make plays on the football as a receiver, as a safety. So I would say the biggest difference is really just being able to start properly evaluating your offensive line and see how they're able to deal with different situations, uh, as opposed to just being in shells or in uppers and going through the motions a little bit, you can, you can still have some takeaways. you know, make sure guys are uh, taking the proper f- steps and footwork out of their, you know, initial s- stance and everything like that. But uh, off the ball, it's a different ball game when you're actually trying to move guys and actually able to sustain blocks or disengage or wrap up and go to the ground. So it's where you see who looked like a man Versus who is a man, who is a true uh, you know, player and able to demonstrate that physicality. So it's when real evaluation can start up until full pads come on. It's a little bit more mental work than it is uh, physical in many regards. It's making sure that you're in the right direction, going through the right reads. You know, Your progression as a linebacker or that you are, like I said, stepping to the right gap or you were cutting off the right defender in the run game, whatever it may be. So uh, you know, the pass game, you can simulate a good bit without the pads on especially downfield in terms of the skill players but now it's a little bit more hey i can go break the pass up i can go full tilt and uh, make plays so it's a uh, much different uh, again a different sport it's like a little bit of uh, a rough seven on seven into now football so big difference
0: yeah it's so, so you you wouldn't take too much away from i know a lot of people were talking about the offensive line on saturday how you know cole jackson was putting out how you know, Salah's hands looked a little slow and obviously Cole knows this stuff. We, we know that, but is, is there not really a ton that you can take away from the offensive line in a non padded practice like that, where you really want to just see what they can do when the pads come on?
1: Yeah. I think you, like I said, you can see who is stepping where they're supposed to, who was pacing themselves well when they lose balance, things like that. But uh, really being able to sustain through contact is, is different once the pads come on. So uh, I think you don't want to have a ton of takeaways from, from uppers and shells, as opposed to once you're able to go full contact.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think now you get a much better understanding of what's going on in the field. But on Monday, Spencer, we saw a couple Ravens return to the field. Zay Flowers missed the last couple of days with an illness. He was back. Pepe Williams comes off the PUP list. And according to Jesse Rebeck, and you know, he does great work over the, at the Athletic, it was a spirited practice with the pads coming on. The offense might have had It's best practice, according to Jeff. He said Aguilar had a nice day, including a red zone touchdown. Laquan Shredwell had a deep catch on what he says was probably Huntley's best show of camp. Shamar Bridges got in there with a touchdown. And also, he said the Ravens' defensive line was the strongest positional group. Justin Matabike had two sacks and even could have had a third in there. And Geno Stone, apparently, you know, injuries do happen over the course of training camp. Geno Stone sustained a left ankle injury, but apparently... The time of this, you know, nothing too serious looking like for Geno Stone. So, with that, Spencer, you talked about, you know, offense, defensive lines. It's just different when the pads come on. With Matt Abike, he's a player we've talked about for a while now. Calais Campbell, not in Baltimore. How much confidence does it give you that he's dominating his first day of pads, that he's dominating early on in training camp? And we saw the defensive line do some good work on Saturday, too.
1: Definitely. I mean, Justin Matabike has all of the tools, has the skill set, has shown the flashes of being a dominant player at times and in certain games. Uh, So to hear him making an impact, I don't think is a surprise. And I don't love really trying to make hasty conclusions on defensive linemen that uh, or really any line player on both sides of the ball until they start to get into their like mid twenties. Once they're like 26, 27, then you can see where they have been pretty much for the most part in their full development. Justin Matabike is not there quite yet. He is still a younger defender uh, at exactly 25 years old. So this should be where you see what a Justin Matabike will be for the duration of his career. This is when they should really start to be making an impact sometimes, especially in the line uh, guys take a little bit, more time to mature and really see enough and develop enough answers to problems that offensive linemen present them with and start to come into their own. So uh, it's a huge year for Justin Matabike. It's similarly a huge year for Patrick Queen. Uh, Quite a few players, Devin Duvernay, JK Dobbins on this Ravens team. So Matabike has the opportunity to probably make an incredible amount of money, a huge lump sum with one big year this year. If he can go, put 50-plus pressures on, start 15-plus games, go you know, get, let's say, eight, nine sacks, whatever it may be, even seven, uh, he will get paid quite handsomely. And when I say quite handsomely, I think at least a $10 million, upwards of $12, $13 million a year contract. If he can go have a big year, if he can have a pro-bowl, all-pro consideration caliber defensive line year as a three-tech, he will get a huge sum of money. I've I've compared him time stylistically and body type to Aaron Donald, and we have seen some flashes. He does things that only a handful of guys in the world can do. He can cross chop off of his first step off the ball as a three tech or a one tech, leave his feet and knife through a gap. There are like five people in the world that can do that right now, and he is one of them. So um, it's great to see that he's or here. I guess I wasn't there, but here that he's making an impact. I don't think it's surprising, and the Ravens need him really badly to be. An impact player because their pass rush is a youthful group that is inexperienced. You look at you know Brent Urban and Michael Pierce, guys that aren't prolific pass rushers, as the, the kind of veterans of this group, Tyus Bowser of the outside linebackers, he's banged up right now. He's on the NFI list. So Matabique, who has three years of a solid amount of reps and snaps, especially last year under his belt, uh, is is needed. They need a Pro Bowl year out of Justin Matabike. And like I said, if he, can go to that level this year provide consistency have a great month instead of a great game and then kind of not maybe make as big of an impact as he does some games as others think he's a great run defender consistently but uh, if he can go have a huge month or two rushing the passer it will make the Ravens a much more dominant defense so a lot before him and a lot of opportunity the the floor is his to go do whatever he can and like I said you know I wouldn't be shocked if we see him get a three year, $50 million deal in free agency or by the Ravens next year with the talent that he has, the flashes we've seen and how practical it would be for a Ravens front seven rookie contract player to go forth and go get paid a bunch of money after a big year in their fourth year.
0: You know, it feels like we've, kind of seen him add things to his game and refine his game over the course of his career. Not that necessarily like he's had these 10 sack seasons every year, but I think we've seen him, I think get better, but now it's the true breakout opportunity for him. I, I kind of pegged him as like, Oh, the breakout guy two years ago, the breakout guy last year, but this is really the, the breakout opportunity. And then there are the other ones brought Washington, who I think also is a free, I don't know what in the world is going to look like next year, because there's so many guys, those futures are so up in the air. I feel like only Travis Jones is the one guy who can say, I oh, he'll, he'll probably be there next year, but Matt, Abique and Washington free agents. I think Pierce said he might retire at the end of his contract and Brent urban, a one-year deal too. so, We'll see. But I'm excited for Matabika. I think this is a huge opportunity for him. And you're right, Spencer. I think if he has a breakout season, some team will pay him, whether it's Baltimore or somewhere else. So, so they'll pay him a big sum of money there. But coming up in the second part of the show, look a bit at early player takeaways from some of the stars on the Ravens. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson, Odell Beckham Jr., and more coming up next on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And I'm a big fantasy guy. I'm super excited. I'll plug the Locked on Ravens Fantasy Leagues again, where – i mean, in every league, actually. We do. I did about 10 last year. It might have been a little less, but we've had plenty of people join them, and it's really exciting. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring us some of the best fantasy picks each week. All season long, whether you're prepping for a locked on Ravens draft, I'll put that tweet out, that, you know, asking people if they want to join probably in the next week or two. Or if you're scouting the waiver wire, every week we're be providing you with the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So a draft prep underway for the upcoming season. Let's see if he's picked up for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And if you're looking to park an elite running back in your fantasy football garage at the top half dozen options of the position, and they've been taken off the lot, maybe you can still find a sleek ride in Tony Pollard, now the unquestioned feature back in the Cowboys offense after his breakout 2022 season. Obviously, without Ezekiel Elliott there, Pollard's speed and acceleration will allow him to dominate key touches. In a strong rushing attack. And again, Vinny Iyer from locked up Venice football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. The eBay guaranteed fit in over 122 million parts and accessories to your vehicle right at your fingertips. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have air filters, brakes, batteries, tail lights, alternators, shock struts, you name it. eBay motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle. The first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and think about to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for, to so a click away. With the and accessories that fit your vehicles, look for the green check, get the right parts, right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Also items, only exclusions apply. We're back here. Our second segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Auschuk is still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, I know it's early on, training camp is super, well, it's honestly exciting for all of it but we're getting closer and closer to the joint practices the preseason then regular season but based off of what you've seen and heard about Lamar Jackson you know what have been your early takeaways from him getting back on the field and getting back into the swing of things coming off his injury last year
1: well it just sounds like he's excited to be in a more fast-paced offense that's going to spread things out probably a little bit more and as a quarterback that spent Uh, You know, his rookie year, Marty Mornweg was the coordinator. Uh, I think uh, there was an article maybe by the USA Today or something like that. It was like, oh, he's had Greg Roman since his rookie year. He did have, you know, Mornweg's offense a little bit, but obviously it was a watered-down version of that that uh, Lauren Jackson ended up running when Joe Flacco came in in 2018. But 2019 through 2022, Greg Roman won offense. Uh, We watched Joe Flacco, for instance, go through offensive 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 coordinator after offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator went through a run of you know five, six in his duration with Baltimore. Baker Mayfield had four different offensive coordinators in four different years. Uh, so Jackson has had the luxury of not having to go through that huge change, but because things did get static, a little bit stale with Greg Roman, especially in the past game and injury-wise and things like that, it's probably super exciting to be ready for change, to be ready to make an improvement, to get into another system, to learn it, to go back about that way. Uh, gives you an opportunity to go kind of back to school, so to speak, where you can go learn again, learn some new terminology, see a different perspective or look at things through a different prism and ultimately end up with different answers to different problems that defense has posed. So a uh, major emphasis is going to be him getting to the line quicker, having more time to read the defense and take control of the offense in that category, as opposed to trying to uh, make the defense beat you and kind of run it down their throat. And, you know, you're going to have to stop us. It's going to be a more – cerebral type of offense for Jackson. So with that control, I'm sure he's super excited and kind of sounds like that's the the main theme is going to be making this the kind of offense like a Josh Allen has in Buffalo, where he's able to call the shots, he's able to make a ton of changes and have enough time to do so. So I would expect that to be something that gets Lamar Jackson excited, like I said. So, um, you know, I'm sure he's going to have a similar performance in camp or, you know, he's 21 for 33 to the, all that kind of stuff, whatever. And I'm not sure we're going to see any revelations in terms of his mechanics necessarily at this point in his career, you know, he'll always be tweaking and improving, but um, kind of is who he is at this point, you know, not a a spring chicken going into his uh, sixth year here. So it's a different tale than it was with Greg Roman and learning and his base getting widened out and can he be more consistent? So on and so forth. Jackson has all the arm talent he needs. His mechanics are in a much better spot than they were three years ago. So now it's just time to see how cerebral you can get in this new offense and how you can control the line of scrimmage. It
0: is crazy. It's his sixth season. <laughs> it feels like yesterday he was getting drafted up there saying he's going to bring a Super Bowl back to Baltimore. But to your point about the offense, obviously it's a new system with Todd Munkin in there and Jonah Schaefer, who does great work over the Baltimore banner said that, you know, practice yesterday in pads, the defense dominated in pads. He said there wasn't a lot of running lanes up front, not a lot given up downfield. So I know some people I've seen Spencer already starting to panic about the offense a little bit. Oh, well, they're not up to speed yet, but, I, I'm trying to tell people it's going to be a learning experience for all these guys. It's a new system. They have to implement it. Everybody has to get familiar. But is there a concern point for you over the course of the off season? where, I guess, if the reports out of training camp are not great, are you going to say, oh, well, maybe something has to happen? Or I guess also, what would that point be in the regular season? I would expect some level of, you know, just getting getting acclimated during the regular season. Is there a point in the regular season where if the offense is continuing to struggle you say, all right, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, I'd say probably after about four or five games during the regular season, but training camp, I don't think is easy to necessarily dissect and say the offense is struggling because you aren't aware of what their objective is without being on the coaching staff. It's hard to look and say, oh, they weren't as productive in this or that or this or that. Again, like, There's no box score for training camp that matters. The only one that happens is is on game tape. And with that, you have to be able to let a little bit of patience grow until wins aren't being stacked in the regular season. And I feel like typically with competent offensive coordinators, when they have their first year on a new team, especially in a situation where there's not a ton of game tape that would be relevant on Todd Munkin and how he's going to translate this offense, Ravens offense is probably going to be an advantage when they start the regular season. Very much. So Um, I think there's definitely a first year coordinator bump that happens so often. You could go look um, at Kellen Moore going to the chargers as another example of someone that's probably going to have a first year bump might be a little bit easier to imagine what Moore does knowing what he was doing in Dallas last year. Like I said, I think Munkin has a little bit of extra room for cards up his sleeve in that sense. So um, I don't think it's easy to raise concern throughout summer. Uh, Based on practices, especially the Ravens defense is known to beat up on the Ravens offense over the last 25 years. They have always done it. You can go check out Jake Luke uh, talking about the Ravens 2006 season in his series, detailing that on Exit 52. The Ravens defense usually beats up on the Ravens offense. The Ravens defense has roquan smith and marlon humphrey and kyle hamilton and marcus williams they have a pretty daring defensive coordinator who is not in year one he's in year two and has been a part of the ravens organization for a decade minus one year so i would say the ravens defense is going to be an advantage in many ways and that's kind of how the ravens seem to like it throughout the history of their franchise even beyond john harbaugh so with that uh have some patience and i'm sure that they'll have answers. Lamar Jackson makes things happen on the football field way, way, way more often than he doesn't. So even if the uh, offense does have some struggles, they do have a great defense and you know probably aren't going to panic early.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not hitting the panic button anytime soon. Honestly, throughout the entire course of training camp, I think this is the time for them to get the mistakes out, right? Even if they are struggling, you want to, they want to figure out what works, what doesn't and just getting guys up to speed. But I know Spencer, there's a lot of excitement for a couple of the new wide receivers on this team and Odo Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. Now Flowers to me is just the route running is incredible. We see the burst, we see the speed, the cutting ability from him. And Odell seems to be making plays all over the field yesterday. You know, the Ravens posted the video of him going up against Marlon Humphrey with, with the juggling catch and everything. What would have been your takeaways from those two guys so far?
1: I'd say that Zay Flowers is going to be able to operate at a different speed than anyone else on their offense, aside for maybe Lamar Jackson, his ability to throttle down or throttle up change through gears and all that is, is a problem. So um, a little bit, like I've said previously, I think even on this show a little bit like what they wanted Hollywood Brown to be in this offense, but with an increase in the physicality to be able to withstand a little bit more contact, a little bit more pressure and make plays through that. So uh, I would think Zay Flowers is, going to be a piece that they hope can flip the field here and there can generate big plays. And uh, have a pretty specific role starting. It did sound like flowers. It said that he's been playing X, Y and Z in their offense. He's been moved all around. Um, so I would expect some versatile usage, some dialed in packages for him. He is knock on wood for now, aside from, you know, an illness missing a couple practices. He is the healthy one in the room alongside Nelson Aguilar. Um, Devin Duvernay coming off of an injury last year that ended his season early. Odell Beckham obviously hasn't played in 18 months. Rashad Bateman actively receiving cortisone shots as recently as like 10 days ago because of pain in his foot from getting the screw taken out. So I would think that Aguilar and Flowers end up being guys that are relied to take maybe a good bit of snaps early on. Odell, I hope the Ravens want to maybe pace, especially early in the season, as someone who's older and someone who has had significant injuries, it might be a little tough to hold him back, but that's kind of a coaching staff's job to hold their guys back and make sure that they are peaking at the right time. Um, and Odell just looks like a route-running savant, a veteran. He's crafty. He's you know not probably as explosive as he once was, but he is still explosive. So I would expect Odell to be their high-leverage veteran that they rely on in late-game third downs, things of that nature, and Zay Flowers to be someone who you know can take some punishment and you can put the football in his hands on screens or handoffs and things of that nature to go hopefully push and press a defense in that vertical and horizontal field stretching capacity we saw him do at Boston College.
0: Yeah, those two guys, I think they're going to add such, both such dynamic elements to the offense, and we'll, we'll see how the Ravens pace and We talk about pacing last year. The Ravens seemed to do that with J.K. Dobbins to try to get him back, and O'Dobbins really wanted to play, really wanted to play, but the Ravens kind of paced him and said, hey, you know, we're going to to take this approach to see how it goes, and obviously Dobbins had the year he did, but coming up we're going to be talking about the year that Dobbins could have now and the latest updates on his situation, you know, the the hold in or the hold out, as the words are, and, and the timeline for him returning to the field. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot still to get to on Locked on Ravens. We return Taco Tuesday. Kevin Allstriker still here with Spencer Schultz on Locked on Ravens. And Spencer, there, there's been a lot of discourse about J.K. Dobbins, and honestly, the entire running back landscape recently with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and obviously now Jonathan Taylor but with Dobbins, he's someone who for the ACL, then huge knee injury, just not just the ACL, a bunch of ligaments in there. He, he disclosed last season, ended up having to get some work done on it after he came back. I think Dobbins came back, what, week three against the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. Yeah, I think that was when it was. Ended up playing a couple games, having to go back under the knife, comes back, and now is not practicing. You know, the reported hold-in that was happening during minicamp, Apparently there's something going on injury-wise, but in an article from Kyle Goon over at the Baltimore Banner, Melvin Gordon <laughs> might, have out, might have outed J.K. Dobbins in terms of what, what he's doing, apparently saying that this is a hold-in situation. So if that is truly the case, I wouldn't I don't know why Melvin Gordon would say that if it wasn't true. What's kind of your read on what's going on between the Ravens and J.K. Dobbins right now? Injury hold in the, the whole nine yards.
1: To me, it just feels like you mentioned comes back from a really significant knee injury that he sustained after or in preseason in a meaningless game in the first quarter of a meaningless game that he was angry about afterwards, outwardly angry. Don't really hear from him for a year as he recovers. Kind of said he stayed off social media, worked to get back. He clearly wasn't right. We end up hearing now there was another report that he heard God speak to him in the middle of the night and told him to go get his knee scoped so that he could get back to 100%. During the season last year, Um, definitely went through a lot of pain and rehab and got back last year, then comes back from the knee scope from his second procedure and looks really good, is ready to rock and roll, gets to the playoff game and got irritated again. He scored a touchdown, felt that he should have gotten the ball again next time the Ravens were down in the red zone. So it's been a lot of frustration and irritation for J.K. Dobbins. In my opinion, he's probably been the best player on the football field since he was five years old. He was a five-star in Texas. He was a record setter, rusher as a young player at Ohio State, one of the preeminent programs in all of college football through as long as college football has existed. When he's on the field for the Ravens, he is one of, if not the best players on the field. He is explosive. His explosive run rate is high. His broken and missed tackles force is high. His rushing yards over expectations are high. You can watch him. He is really good at football. He makes an impact when you put the ball in his hands. He runs angry. He's explosive. So uh, that combination of things probably leads to him feeling irritated with the compensation that he's had so far, the running back situation. He's not the only one. He's not special. It's not some special thing going on with J.K. Dobbins and the Ravens. Jonathan Taylor's situation in Indianapolis right now is 10 times worse. They're, the owner, of Jim Irsay, and Taylor are subtweeting each other, not even subtweeting, tweeting about each other openly. Josh Jacobs, very frustrated with his situation with Mark Davis, who is essentially Jim Irsay West, in Las Vegas. So, you know, running backs have a zoom meeting about what are we going to do about the situation? And Dobbins feels, you know, slighted all of running backs feel slighted right now because they don't feel like they've been paid for what their impact is. Um, I think that Austin Eckler made a really interesting point that it's the only position where being productive can hurt you because if you're productive as a running back, it means you have wear and tear on your body. So it's like, Oh, well now we don't want to pay him because of how good he was. But if you don't produce, if you haven't been, you know, able to quote unquote, stay healthy, even though Dobbins really just has one injury uh, in the NFL, then you're knocked for that as well. So it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation. And it seems like, you know, maybe Dobbins wants something like Saquon Barkley, wants added incentives this season, wants to get paid more this season ahead of free agency, a revised contract, something like that uh, ahead of the opportunity to do so. I don't, Think he? I don't think it's lost on him that he needs to have a big year to get paid the way he wants to get paid, which still won't be enough because no back is getting paid what they think they deserve right now. But uh, I think that the Ravens revising his contract is probably the goal he has in mind, maybe adding some incentives onto it, something like that. And, you know, maybe he, he cools off after a little while. Maybe he also feels like I got hurt in a preseason game. I don't trust the Ravens to keep me healthy, so I'm not going to practice for a little while. And I'm going to skip some of that time, make sure I'm as healthy as possible so that I can have the best year possible. He could practice tomorrow and tear his knee, whether it's the knee that he tore or the other one, if it has anything to do with the pre-existing injury or not, he could lose it. He could not get paid. He could miss this entire season. He could lose millions of dollars. So, I mean, some players just kind of do their thing. Patrick Queen in a little bit of a similar situation was really irritated earlier this year. Uh, The Ravens not picking up his fifth year contract, started tweeting some things and then, kind of had that that come-to-Jesus moment where he's like, well, my future employer or the Ravens, whichever one it is, probably would pay me more if I just did what they wanted me to do. So he is, quote-unquote, taking that gamble of just showing up to work and doing what he's supposed to do and hoping he stays healthy. Um, Queen is also, you know, knock on wood, they're not had to deal with an injury like Dobbins has, so hasn't had it taken away, hasn't seen the dark side of that yet. Um, Hopefully never does. But tough situation for J.K. Dobbins, and I think that, he's between a rock and a hard place but at the end of the day he's going to play he has to play this year he has to prove he's you know worth what he can get and maximize that income from playing and playing well
0: yeah yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, the exact quote from Melvin Gordon said, I didn't even know he's sitting out, but JK is sitting out. They're not even making a big headline out of it unless you're in India, I guess. And they got other players sitting out. I didn't even know JK was sitting out until I came here. So that, right. Another angle to this whole thing, but well, let's quickly talk about Jonathan Taylor, Spencer. There've been some, some people saying, Oh, Jonathan Taylor's out there. Why don't the Ravens and Colts just do a Jonathan Taylor for JK Dobbins swap and everything is solved. But my thing is, I don't think that solves a lot. You know, both guys still want to get paid. I'm not sure the owners would want to pay the running backs what they want. Would you say yes or no to a Jonathan Taylor for J.K. Dobbins swap at this point?
1: Uh, uh, just Sure. It doesn't really matter. I don't think, you know, they're both really good backs that are explosive. And you might want to say Taylor's more proven. I am of the camp that Dobbins is as capable as most running backs, almost all running backs in the NFL, especially out of the backfield as a runner. Um, so both going through injuries, I think that if Dobbins had had enough good fortune to have a, a healthy second season, like Taylor did, then he's probably sitting in a super similar boat, um, to Taylor more so, especially in the, the school of thought of the, uh, the common fan. So I don't know that that does anything for the Ravens or the, the Colts necessarily. Uh, I don't think JK Dobbins would be a big fan of getting traded there right now. It might be a little bit of a win more so for Jonathan Taylor. Um, so probably nothing like that will happen, but it's a, an interesting school of experiment. Yeah. I, I'm totally fine. Just sticking
0: with JK Dobbins from the Ravens. I think he's proven, as you talked about Spencer, when he's on the field, he's a very good football player. And I think that the Ravens benefit whenever he's out there. And I want to see him catch passes out of the backfield too, from the more, I think that's an added aspect I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this season, assuming everything, and he's assuming he's on the field in week one, but that's all I have Spencer. I appreciate you hopping on with me. Please again, tell people, what you're working on over at the jumbo set and exit 52. So they can find your work.
1: Definitely covering the Orioles, covering the Ravens, covering all things, football all things, ball in general. You can find us anywhere. You get your podcast, the exit 52 podcast.com. And uh, like I said, in all RSS feeds, you can search exit 52 Podcast and it'll come up. You can check out the jumbo set, which is Raven specific. If you want to get into a little bit more Orioles, Maryland, everything of the sort, you can just check out the regular exit 52 podcast and we'll be breaking it on down as the Orioles continue to push on, and the Ravens season gets fired up. Thank you so much for having me on. I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: A huge shout-out, as always, to Spencer for hopping on Talking Ravens. Be sure to follow his work over at the Jumbo Set, Exit 52. He does great stuff. It'll all be in the description below. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you're an everyday or a first-time listener or somewhere in the middle. Audio or video form, I appreciate everybody. Let me get back here tomorrow. Of course, there's more Ravens content from us. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.